Can you tell me what you think pretty is? Uh, what does pretty mean? I don't know. Tell me what you It can take a woman a lifetime to discover who she is. And even at the end of that life, what she finds may very well be that who she has become was not who she was meant to be. I was six like you, maybe younger, listening to my mother and her mother mutter their faults at their bathroom mirrors when I began to understand this. Since then, it has always terrified me. I have wanted nothing more than to live the life I was intended to live, though if you asked me, even now, who has been setting the intention, I would not be able to say. A woman's life should belong to her, but it seldom does. She may bisect it for her parents or guardians when she is young, wanting either to curry their favor or to catch their distracted eye. She becomes what will make them respond. When she is older, she does this for others, lovers and mentors, employees and friends, pastors, God. Depending on how attuned she is to herself, her performance of others' expectations will remain within the bounds of reason. If she is willing to pretend to be someone else, the charade will last but for a moment. She will only play the role of fun-loving extrovert until she reaches some internal and private limit. Only tamp down her natural effervescence for the short length of time it takes her to realize her partner sucks the air out of rooms, bursting the bubbliness that has always been her trademark. When she has made her discovery, she will say, in a voice tinged with regret, but with a decidedly unapologetic heart, I am aware of the impression of me I helped you form, but your impression of me is not who I am. It is the woman who does not know herself who has cause for concern. If she is not attuned to herself, if she has, for instance, never spent more than a few deliberate moments alone, if she has not courted herself, traveled without a companion, figured out not just what she adores and detests, but also what's driving her preferences, she may never be able to say, who you believe me to be is not who I am. She is defined by a panel of consciences, none of which are quite her own. When I first began to discover this, my mother was young and beautiful, with billowing mahogany hair, deep brown skin, and eyes that shone like chipped obsidian. She had me at 19, and like so many women that young, she did not comprehend her beauty. From my current 36-year-old vantage, I cannot imagine having had anything at 19, not a home of my own or a car, and not a serious adult relationship to say nothing of a newborn child. I certainly cannot imagine parenting a 17-year-old at 36 like my mother did. I am grateful at my age for six-year-old you. I still have time. I can still set a more self-assured example you may yet be able to look at me and know what a woman fully celebrating herself looks like before you become a woman yourself. If the world were perfect, every woman would be able to luxuriate in a long, lone journey of self-definition. She would be able to do so regardless of race or class or circumstance, the space to explore herself simply understood as a key to a healthier society. The world is, of course, imperfect, and black women have always had to fight harder than most to find and define themselves for themselves. I am nearing 40, and despite all the childless flailing years that comprised my 20s, my womanhood still feels underformed. I am not sure how my mother became a full-grown woman so young. 
I am not sure how she weathered all the missteps and setbacks and ill-fated loves one accumulates during that first full decade of adulthood, but I was around to witness it. I watched the entire trajectory of my mother's transition from post-adolescence into womanhood, and she spent far more of it than she should have finding fault with herself. You will find that many women waste their youth finding fault with themselves. This will not be you. By the grace of God, the fates, the host of heaven, this will not be you. You must never collect the men who've hurt you in the cage of your heart like canaries. They will always find ways to fly free, even if they must beat their wings against your ribs and break their beaks on your sternum. They will not be compelled to stay simply because you have not made peace with your injuries, and you will all have become crueler as a result of the effort. When life favors you, whomever you choose as a romantic partner will be guileless. There will be no ill intent, only an intricate history some other lovers have left for you to circumnavigate. But even without a sense of malice at the onset, you may still find yourself aching in the end. Everyone is broken, even you. The key in love is to never take up residence in your paramour's cracks, never make yourself an adhesive. If you do, he may hold, but you will not. Too many women believe we are here to change our lovers' lives, to improve them, to shore up their level of comfort, to razor their calluses and leave them smoothed and capable. I have long believed this because for the first 10 years of my life, I was not raised in the company of men. They may as well have been extraterrestrials. I simply did not understand them. Their hair and their scent, the way they shake themselves dry in bathrooms, the detritus they leave behind, their gruffness, their bluster. None of it jibed with my household of tea rose and lavender, of legs primly crossed and of ginger sipping, of using one's teeth to pull food from a fork to avoid the smearing of lipstick, of being taught not just to be considerate, but also to cater. Then my mother married for the first time when I was 10, and her husband grew to believe that his role in a household of women would be to demand loyalty of the wife and deference of her child. My mother, thrust into the role of mediator, turned most often to me. Girl children are easier to reason with than grown men. And she would tell me to set his suspicions at ease, to convince him that I wasn't a willful child to apologize for any infraction he considered an act of disrespect and to honor him as the head of our household. The childhood actions that coax you into an ill-fitting adult mold are often urged by adults who cannot possibly know what they're doing. They believe they are preparing us for a low-stress, high-achieving life. But for me, who had never known what it meant to live with men, advising me to constantly capitulate to them was a grave misstep. What I would carry into womanhood was this. Occupying close quarters with men would mean shrinking so that their chest could swell. It would mean ignoring what I was not receiving so that I could give whatever arbitrary obeisance they demanded. It meant bearing discomfort in silence and trying to convince them that I'd never felt more at ease than I did in their company. I am no actress. It is no wonder all my romantic relationships end. It is even less surprising that in retrospect, the men left in my wake do not quite understand what hit them. 
they have never been hit so gently. After letting go of the idea that the first and only man I dated after you were born could be anything more than a fond acquaintance, I looked up and could no longer see myself. Some women have, at distant intervals throughout life, what can be considered crises of desirability. These often occur at the tail end of a tryst when, no matter how well you primped and preened and posed, no matter how much allure you hoped you held, you are, yet again, alone. And the person who has left you here seems entirely indifferent about it. Unbeknown to me, there had been something quite vampiric about the three years I spent believing that, however loosely, I was being held. However non-committally, I was being seen and acknowledged and loved. Abandoning the quest for the right romance, the one that threads through your needs like the fingers of two clasped hands, is a dangerous enterprise. I had settled into something far too slight, an attention as thin and spindly as cobwebs, an interest where the assumption of my own attractiveness would have to do in the absence of compliments, attention, or time. This is what I meant when I said that even nearing 40, I still feel underformed. Romance is not a healthy tool for self-affirmation. It is not meant to bolster one's sagging esteem. It works best as an adornment for women who are already wildly in love with themselves. Without knowing this, we delude ourselves. We lose whole years to relationships with people to whom we cannot truly relate. For the past few years, I had convinced myself of a misapprehension. And this was why now, when I looked in the mirror, I did not quite recognize my reflection. Who was this girl who had accepted so little, who had requested nothing yet obliged a great number of favors? What did she want? What did she like? How long had she been languishing? How long had she felt so lost? How would she find her footing again? Because I had been here before, the visage in the mirror seemingly some other lesser woman, I knew where I would start to locate my truest self again. I would start with pictures. Whenever someone asks you what you and your mother have in common, what you both enjoy doing, what you do best together, you will probably tell them, we take selfies. In fact, since before you were born, I've had a dream that we would live in a home with a room dedicated entirely to playing dress-up, staging elaborate storyscapes, and taking photographs of ourselves. Three, two, one. I am determined to make that happen before you are grown. At times, the world of self-portraits is the one in which I am most at ease. Throughout childhood and through most of my 20s, the opposite was true. I believed myself unphotogenic. I sensed that I could be beautiful, but never found any evidence in any visual media. My first self-timer-equipped camera cured me. Paired with a space and solitude to spend hours contemplating the ways I could engage with a room in its furnishings, a yard in its foliage, an orchard in its blossoms, I found myself freed of the self-consciousness and claustrophobia that always greeted me and my mother and hers in bathroom mirrors. With a camera shutter set on 10 second delay, I could visualize who I wanted most to become and contort myself in such a way that both for a nanosecond and for eternity, Three, two, one. I could become her. When we take photos together now, the principle is still the same. I think of who I want most to be for you. 
A woman convinced of her own worth and her grace and her elegance. A woman prepared to pass poise and confidence down. And a mother with enough fortitude and coolness and fun to face whatever will come our way. I am not this woman in every waking moment. There will be days ahead when neither of us find her familiar. But there will always be our ussies. And in them, for a nanosecond and for posterity, I can conjure her yet again for you. Women are a great many things, but to maintain our core sensibility, to be who we must be to and for ourselves, we must take time to explore the totality of who we are. It takes a long while. It takes a lifetime. When you look back on your childhood, you'll remember the scores of moments a camera captured you held you in digital amber as I held you in my arms. I am hoping that when you are older, beset as all adolescents seem to be with contrarian moods, you will flip back through the photos we are taking now and take some small comfort in knowing that I have always been working toward being the mother you need, alternately silly-faced and conciliatory, stern, cool, and corny, always concerned, if you ever have cause to question who we are to each other, find us in the images we've orchestrated, in the poses we plan together, and what we've willed ourselves to become for one another. <laughs> okay, so why do you like to take pictures? Because it's fun. Do you think you look pretty? Yes. And I sweet and I and I cute. That's right. What makes someone pretty? Uh, I don't know. Hmm. What makes you pretty? What to do like this? When you pose. Pose. Mm -hmm. That's what makes you look pretty. Yes. What else? What makes you sweet? Sorry. Yes. Thank you for talking to me. You're welcome. <laughs>